0: Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My first guests this week are Rob Thomas and John Enbaum. With some friends, they created the TV show Party Down. Now, if you're not familiar with Party Down, it's a show with a pretty simple premise. It's about a group of actors and writers, creative types. Only, they don't work acting and writing. They work at a catering company, Party Down. Every episode of the show is a different party. Singles mixers, celebrity birthdays, super sweet 16s. And every week, the Party Down employees get into a mess. Usually, a pathetic mess. Party Down ran almost 15 years ago, and the third season just premiered. All these years later, there are some new faces on the team, but mostly things are the same. Or actually, things are worse. I mean, what's sadder than a failing actor passing out canapes? The same failing actor passing out canapes, only it's 12 years later. The cast of Party Down are, of course, not failed actors. Some were stars before the show's first run. Several have become stars since. Adam Scott, Megan Mullally, Jane Lynch, Lizzie Kaplan. Pretty much all of them are back. Season three kicks off with a reunion. The Party Down team is catering an event for Kyle. He used to work with them. Now he's about to be a movie star. He's played by Ryan Hansen. All the old gang is at the party, some of them doing the catering, so they decide to grab a group picture. Okay, get the old team leader. You know, get the whole gang.
1: Yeah, but were you in the gang? Weren't we the gang and you were more management? No, I was in the gang.
0: I just gotta say, this is really inspiring. Like, you all used to work at Pony Down, and now- Yeah, I mean, I was you 10 years ago, man. Now I'm Nitromancer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Lydia's
2: a manager, her
0: daughter's breaking in in a big way. Escapade, down starring in Spring Broken, March 6th, everywhere. Yeah!
1: (laughs) And I'm an actress slash playwright. I'm also a widow slash heiress, patron and donor of the arts, helping make dreams come true.
0: And my dream is to be a waiter forever, so that's inspiring as well. <laughs> well, John and Rob, welcome to Bullseye. It's nice to have you on the show. Yeah, Thank you. Uh, thanks we're for happy having to us. be here. I, I was pretty deep on Party Down when it originally aired, I think in large part because of You the, were the guy. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. So here's the thing, right? Like, I was still doing this show out of my apartment in Koreatown at the time. I had just moved to L.A., and I would email these publicists. It was just me at the time. And I would email these publicists, and I would try and trick them into thinking my show was consequential. And the people at Stars,
2: I think, at the time, were just happy someone had emailed them. Right. You didn't even have to convince them. You just it was just like yeah they'll rob and john will show up with puppets Um. (laughs) i mean
0: they sent the whole cast one after another in a row i was like this is a great show send me the next guy send me the next lady like let's do this i read and i wasn't sure how hyperbolic it was but i read that the original series finale of party down in uh 2000 whatever was watched by 13,000 people is that real
1: I actually don't know. I don't know. Like, we only saw the sheet that had the rating number on it. It didn't have any actual viewer numbers. It was just, it was a 0.0, but I don't know how many (laughs) units equals a percentage. So we just looked at that, and we were like, we understand. I I, I don't know what the actual number was. I don't know. I could be
2: making this up. I thought that I had seen the finale number, and it was 60,000 not 16 six, six zero. so i mean let's not short change us but right we were not setting any records it was yeah. uh and then the sad thing and i think what really led to, to our show's demise was that then they they started airing spartacus that attracted a million viewers and until they until they did spartacus they thought 60,000 is as good as it gets. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, that that changed the equation for them. You have to have somebody
0: really special to play a sympathetic hero who wants nothing, uh, is kind of a, a lump, <laughs> right. like a real lumpus in the middle, doesn't really do anything funny per se, joke-wise. Like, there's not a lot of... Uh, and you weirdly had two of those people, Um, (laughs) right? So like Paul Rudd is the most adorable man on earth. And just before air, you were telling me about something adorable he did that I hope makes it to the (laughs) internet in time. Um, But like he's the most adorable man on earth, but you had also cast in the show, Adam Scott. So by the time HBO decided to not make this a television program and you decided Rob to finance shooting a pilot of it yourself in like the ultimate show business folly. Right. (laughs) Uh, Oh yes. You had a a co-creator who had accidentally become a major movie star uh, and thus couldn't just do a backyard pilot. Right. And you had another guy, Adam Scott there who happened to be able to do that thing. Right.
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, we were fortunate. um, I met, Adam and Paul, on the same night in Austin several years earlier, Paul had done uh at that point had done uh clueless uh, cl- clueless and he was big for clueless Adam had really done nothing uh and Paul was high uh, school and co- you graduated from high school <laughs> and college <laughs> yes and- um and Paul was in Houston shooting the movie the locust and he and Adam had heard that Austin was the coolest city in certainly in Texas, if not America. And they were in the (laughs) bar in all of Austin. I was there because I had a friend who tended bar there. And, um, I kept looking at this guy, like I know him from something. And my friend, the bartender said, Oh yeah, he he was in clueless. And when we started talking, I said, you are in the did wrong place. Did you wait, place. hold on.
0: Did you go up to him and say, excuse me, are you the guy from Clueless? I,
2: I, I did not. We were we were both sitting at the bar about four seats over from each other. So it was it, it, with a bartender in common. So it became very easy to start chatting. And uh, my girlfriend at the time and I ended up taking Paul and Adam out to all the cool haunts of Austin um, and ended the night uh, watching Space Ghost Coast to Coast until dawn um, at 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 my house. And that's how we got to know them. And then I became a huge fan of Adam Scott, the actor, and had brought him in to think... To, I wanted him to be a series regular on a pilot I did for Fox that uh, they ended up not casting him and but I became a huge Adam Scott fan, so it was not it was not a hard leap uh, when Paul couldn't do it to to go to Adam. I mean, he was uh, one of our faves both in terms of people and talent.
0: Now I have to say, Rob, spending one hundred fifty thousand dollars of your own money to shoot a pilot at your house is
2: a stupid thing to do. Oh my God, you have no idea how stupid. Yes. I used to do stupid things with money before I had w- a wife and children. <laughs> um, those, that that really uh, tapered off my m- my stupid things with money years. I used to throw one of the great Halloween parties in all of Los Angeles. Again, marriage and children <laughs> ended that pretty pretty quickly. John, what did you think when
0: your friend said? Hey, remember that show we wrote? Uh, Let's Spend All of My Money to Make Our Own <laughs> Pilot of it. The one that the one that the network didn't want?
1: Well, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I hadn't just we, it's not like we discussed it and then I just like left town for a year or whatever. It was like we had been working on this and trying to figure out what to do, pitching it around, doing all this sort of stuff. So it had been part of a discussion the whole time. And, you know, I went to the Halloween party. I was like, sure. <laughs> like, this makes sense as well. <laughs> I will
2: say, it's, um,
1: it. I just so believed in this pilot. I
2: I loved it. Like, I was proud of that script. And it's the hardest it's the hardest bit of writing I think I've ever done because, you know, I played in a band for nine years in Austin before before coming out here to be a writer. And the best thing about quitting being in a band was not having to be creative with four other guys. And then suddenly, <laughs> um, writing party down, it's being creative with three of your friends. And suddenly, having to fight for every joke, for every line, for every, and and it was not like we weren't mean to each other. It it never like got testy in the room, but it was just hard to please everyone all the time. And it and I think it made the show better because everyone was invested. Everyone, now, I, there's no show that I've ever done where we have worked harder on defining character before ever writing a line of the show. Like, who are these people we sat and talked about for three months? Were
1: you building that around actors by then, or...? Not really. I mean, we were really just, you know, going very deep into just who these characters are, what makes them funny, what makes them funny together, you know, all these sort of things. But also, because we wanted it to be a comedy about you know, interesting, weird people who are stuck together and that the comedy would come out of who they were and what that was like to see them stuck together or whatever. So we had to, you know, go pretty deep into figuring out exactly what they were like and everything so that we could, you know, imagine any scenario and what it, why it would be funny or whatever. So we we spent a lot of time talking about that stuff. Um, and it's actually one of the reasons that I think we didn't think it was completely insane to like, you know, do this little amateur pilot in the backyard was because, you know, you know, I continue to believe to this day that it's a great log line pitch, you know, idea for a show of cater waiters, every episode's a different party. You know, we loved it. And, you know, it got us into every room. Everyone wanted to hear about it. But, you know, we would go in and you'd pitch it in that sentence. And everybody would have a different idea of what the show was because right off the bat, you can imagine, you know, if you're going into such and such network or whatever, they can imagine a very fun times zany version. They can find, you know, there's all sorts of different concepts of the show that you can get off the log line. And that's one of the reasons we were like, if we want to actually show what exactly we think this is, we kind of have to actually show them something. I
2: think the reason HBO responded negatively like it's one of our we've told the story of this this particular notes meeting because it's one of one of several disastrous in our respective careers but we had written the outline for the party down pilot episode and we loved it we were very proud of it we came in to get notes on it from hbo and the very first line out of the executive's mouth was. Well, we realized that outlines to comedies aren't really meant to be funny. We, we, <laughs> we, we, thought, we thought ours was very funny. But uh, HBO, you know, they like being inside Hollywood. And I think they heard our pitch and thought that um, it was going to be our group of cater waiters catering Hollywood events where they would bump shoulders with celebrities and that would be they the, thought it would be entourage yes like backstage or entourage or something yeah. like that yeah yeah, and uh and instead our pilot episode is a Sherman Oaks Neighborhood Homeowners Association potluck and we thought it was a great pilot episode because it showed how Henry our lead character wanted <laughs> would love to have the house and the boat and the pool in the backyard, and you know, a wife and kids. Um, whereas the owner of the house just wishes he was a single actor guy out, out on the town having fun. Um, which we thought distilled sort of what our show was about in a cool way, but uh, HBO did not, uh, did not, did not agree with that assessment. Yeah. Yes,
0: <laughs> we've got more with Rob Thomas and John Enbaum around the corner. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are Rob Thomas and John Enbaum. They're two of the co-creators of the TV comedy Party Down. I, I love Ken Marino more than anything, who plays Ron, the boss of this catering crew. And there, he has a quality to him, of hope, like he—he he always looks like he's about to lift his finger because he has a great idea. <laughs> um, even when he's like flinging his body into something out of sadness and frustration. Uh, at what point did he come up? Like, did you just audition people to do this, and and he came in?
2: Well, he, we pulled a lot of favors, um, and he had come in. He had probably at that point done six or seven uh episodes of Veronica Mars, interestingly, playing a role that i that I had written for paul Rudd um, that you know, to play a rival private detective in town, and you know Paul was so hard to to book uh even with best intentions, you know it was hard to get Paul in there, we eventually did, and he was great but Ken Marino came in for what was supposed to be a one or two episode appearance as rival P.I. Vinny Van Lowe and was such gold on the show that um and and Paul had known him from Wet Hot American Summer and was mm-hmm. friendly with him as well. And he he just became sort of the obvious choice. And, you know, we were we were really just kind of calling in. Favors Jane Lynch had done an episode of of, of uh, Veronica Mars as well. And the funny thing about Jane, and I always love telling this story, is that Dan and John and I, Dan Etheridge and John and I co-directed the Party Down pilot that we shot at my house. And really, whoever had written the bulk of that scene got to direct um, that that particular scene and and we were all such huge fans of jane and when she came in she sort of played constance as this tough broad who'd been around hollywood a long time and it was a six-day shoot we did not give a note to jane until like day three until we finally worked up the nerve to say hey actually you know jane we were thinking of maybe a maybe a softer take on Constance, almost like her head is filled with like, like down fluff, like, (laughs) you know, that, that, um, she is more of a den mother and a warm hearted human. And she made that change on a dime and Constance was born. It just, we were so intimidated by Jane's talent that it, yeah, no, it we were just big
1: fans of, you know, all the Chris Guest stuff and everything. And so when she showed up, we were all just like, well, I guess we just let her do a thing and we just came <laughs> back. Um, and so, yeah, it's true. We were all very kind of scared to actually say anything. and But then, but
2: she, of course, was like eager to take the note and 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 so glad that she did because, um, because when we lost her to Glee, it would have felt like like she was doing a similar character to to glee and uh so I'm glad that we carved out that piece the weird thing was Jane had already shot the glee pilot they were not sh- they held on to that pilot for like a year without picking it up and we got to use her until they picked it up um and so I'm so happy that we yeah that was it. literally
1: our deal was that we had I think they had I forget if it was one or two weeks notice of when she would be taken away. Um, so, you know, we just kind of kept going until we got that call. Um, and, you know, we I, we were fortunate and then we got, you know, eight episodes um, when it could have been like two or.
2: right.
0: I've talked to a lot of actors about something that they were in that turned out to be really good that maybe was a little thing or an early thing or a surprising thing. And they're always proud of it because they know it came out good but the people that i have talked to about party down who were on party down that's like what they want to talk about <laughs> like they want to talk about the 18 months or whatever total uh where they were on this television program and i don't think it's just because people like the show although people did like the show especially once it hit streaming and they were able to watch it you know, in a, in more conveniently. But I got the feeling that they were very happy there. So what do you think was different about the show, other than it having come together well, that made people happy there?
1: I mean, I think it was a lot of the just, you know, we were in that sweet spot at the end of the day where we had, you know, a group of people who all, like, they kind of all knew each other you know, tangentially here and there, you know, some more than others, you know, actually Martin and Lizzie went to school together back as small children and all this sort of stuff. Martin
0: Starr and Lizzie Kaplan, two of the stars of the show. Yeah, so they... They'd
1: done freaks
2: and geeks together.
1: You know, so everybody, you know, meshed together very well, very quickly. And then we also just, we didn't have, we had exactly enough money to actually just kind of shoot the show with not much, you know, with with no more. Um, and so it was just kind of a relatively stress-free fun, you know, and we were trying to kind of really just let people, you know, find the characters in their own versions and all these sort of things so that it was, and, you know, we were trying to make it as funny as we could so that we, we wanted it to be, we didn't want to play like dramedy or anything like that. We, we were eager to sort of, you know, find the funniest way to do things and everything. So I think, you know, there was just a real kind of, you know, whatever theater camp vibe to it where, you know, we were just kind of hanging out and goofing around a lot. And so it was a really, you know, it was a really great just job to have, you know, above and beyond whatever it was we actually were doing. One thing
2: at, at the time that we were doing party down, John was really running party down. It was his baby. John writes the bulk of that show, uh, Dan and I had a show on ABC called Cupid with Bobby Cannavale. They both got picked up at the exact same time. I love Bobby Cannavale. He was great. That year at ABC was the low point of my career. I Every day I wanted to come home and kill myself. It was the... It was everything that you don't want in television where you see the show differently than the network, where they're grinding you to the bone to try to get to the show they want. You hate the show that they want. You're trying to fight them. It is miserable. Meanwhile, John and all of our friends (laughs) on Party Down are having the time of their lives doing a show that they are proud of. (laughs) And I'm, you know, I get to watch cuts and and it was just this first season it was just the year of abject jealousy that that all my friends are over there making great television and we're churning out a very subpar abc show so that was rough on me that <laughs>
1: that particular year yeah we felt bad out <laughs> like wherever we we like the the elks lodges of the valley right. that we shot most of the
0: show in why would you make more of them when you already made all those great ones
1: before? I mean, we like doing it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fun. Well, yes. we also, I mean, we never thought of it as, I mean, one of the things we loved about the idea, and even in the very early days when we, you know, because, you know, we got along well with stars and, you know, we felt like we were succeeding on our term, certainly. Um, and we were happy about that. And just the the template of the show felt like Infinitely renewable, just in the sense that you know you can bring new people in as guest stars every week. You can you know if you lose somebody, you can bring in a new character. All this, and you know the the themes you know in a broader sense felt like you know eternally relevant or whatever. Um, this and so is we, the dream: a refillable prestige show. You guys and television. Yeah. You guys right. and
0: Ryan <laughs> Johnson
1: have figured it out. Right. But uh, yeah, so I you know we always. We're thinking, you know, when we were like the second season went really well and we felt like we'd learned kind of how to, you know, what we were doing. Everybody was very dialed in to kind of what they were doing in their with their characters and everything. Crew had kind of figured out all the systems and everything. So we were feeling very good and we were getting along very well with stars. And we were thinking about a third season then and we were talking with them about it. And we, you know, were just thinking like, oh, and, you know, even started making our weird little lists of you know what party ideas and all this sort of, all the things that we would start with for a third season. Or and whatever. this is
0: even though you were aware that when you looked at the ratings list, it we was didn't a look zero at the point we zero. We hadn't seen the 0.0
1: but, yet. But but I, they but only but did still, that after they canceled us. As just like th- there were what
2: are you going to? do? But there was no doubt we were doing a, a season three. Like it stars was both the studio and the network for this show. Those executives were talking about season three. We were making plans for season three. There was no doubt. And for very specific reasons, we made stars a cool place to do television. Like maybe not many people were watching our show, but people in L.A. were, you know, people in television were. And so, you know, but what happened is there was a regime change. Um, Chris Albrecht came over from HBO. And when a network executive has no ownership of your show when they didn't have a hand in creating it where they can't point to it and say, that's mine, then they just look at the numbers that it does. <laughs> and and so that was really the demise of the show. If even with our 0.0 numbers, we would have been doing a season three had the regime not changed there.
1: But yeah, so we never stopped thinking about it. We never stopped trying to find ways that we could you know, basically just... Do more, And, you know, because we all, you know, we, we kept in touch with all the cast and everything. We all, you know, had great fondness and nostalgia for what we had been able to do, not just in terms of making the show, but also being able to get together and just mess around again because it was just, you know, like you said, it was a really fun thing to do. Um, and being able to kind of combine those two things is, you know, as good as it gets when you're making tv or whatever so i think every we were always looking for a way to get back and do that again just because you know why not (laughs)
2: it it is being a television writer producer is a is a strange job in that i've had the most fun of my life doing shows that i'm proud of where i'm happy to go to work every day despite the very long hours in the grind, and then it can make you miserable. It can, like, that year of doing uh, Cupid at ABC in 2009, I moved back to Texas. I had such a miserable time (laughs) doing that show. Like, I never... I wanted to own a house that was inexpensive enough that I could continue to live just writing failed pilots, like, where I would never... (laughs) i would never have to keep saying yes to going into a job that i hated as much as i hated doing that show but now you're a success i
0: mean like i hate to tell you guys this you're a success and the the only possible outcomes of making more episodes of party down are either yeah those are more good episodes of party down like the other ones or they've ruined party down
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, No, we're definitely anxious about that because it is something that, you know, we're, you know, we're we're proud of, we like it, we, you know, want to be true to its legacy and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, you know, we also, you know, there's always some, you know, we, uh, there's always something that we feel like we can do and that that's kind of the fun part of the challenge or whatever. So, you know, uh, like back... Years ago there was kind of we circled around the idea of maybe trying to do a movie or something like that, but you know we it it got hung up on this idea that we could not crack trans translating this half hour kind of you know formulaic show that actually i think you know made good use of its formula and kind of relied on its formula for its success um turning that into a feature film with all the you know demands of you know story demands of a feature film or whatever that it would almost turn the show inside out where it you know it would take like our background stories and turn them into the main you know and we just we couldn't figure out how to make it kind of work like on our terms and in a way where we felt confident that we wouldn't be doing just what you suggested of kind of shooting ourselves in the foot and kind of tarnishing something that we you know held very close. Stick around. More Bullseye around the
0: corner from MaximumFun.org and NPR.
1: Oh, I hope they've got the bread bowl. Have you seen the bread bowl at this place? Mm-hmm. Good evening. Welcome to Maximum Fun. Have you been here before?
2: It's her first time.
1: Very good. Might I recommend our special? Oh, please. Can I interest you in the Max Fun Drive? I'm told they're cooking up something quite extraordinary this year. I've heard about this. With limited time thank you gifts for new and upgrading members? That's right. <laughs> we'll take it. How would you like your episodes?
2: Uh, can I get them excellent with new Boko on the side? Oh. oh, are there live stream events?
1: Absolutely. You know, if you're interested in events, Meetup Day is returning. What? Oh, you're gonna love Meetup Day. It's the best. Okay, let me make sure I have everything Max Fun Drive 2023 with limited time thank you gifts, live stream events, Meetup Day, excellent episodes, and of course, new bonus content.
2: Sounds perfect.
1: Great. We'll get it started and it'll be ready in two weeks, March 20th. Oh, can we also get a couple of waters? Of course.
0: Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, my guests are Rob Thomas and John Enbaum. They're co-creators of the sitcom Party Down, about waiters in Hollywood. The show was canceled in 2010. Now, all these years later, it's back. Let's get into the rest of our conversation. It has been a long time since you made the first two seasons of the show, so you've had a lot of time to ruminate and marinate, what did you think when you finally got a third show you should do differently? Like, what did you learn
1: in all that time? I mean, uh, it's interesting because in a certain way, a lot of it didn't apply because our circumstances were very different. Because, you know, I do feel like, you know, as, as we mentioned before, like by the time we got to the end of the second season, I think we had felt like we'd kind of worked out that version of the show um and we'd worked out making that version of the show and all that kind of stuff but you know when when we got to season three we felt like you know the world had changed a lot you know we had changed you know everyone was 12 years older our, our per- perspectives on things had changed and all that sort of stuff so i think more than anything it was just us trying to just embrace at least a new version of the world or whatever instead of just repeating ourselves You also, too much. I mean, you also had to deal with
0: a new show, not just from what the show was 12 years ago, but a new show from the show that you thought you were making for season three when you have... Jane Lynch gets COVID. So there's a, some of her scenes have to be on a screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan got a starring role on an FX show, which is mm-hmm. like basically the best acting job in show business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan Mullally got something too, I think, for part of the time and was mm-hmm. only like, you have to, you had to sort of, remake the plan even after you made the new plan it's why john didn't sleep (laughs) for four months
2: yeah that was
1: definitely i mean that was a new challenge of doing that like you know because we were you know our 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 shoot date literally was like right uh, right in the peak of whatever the omicron surge or whatever. So we had a full department that was like managing all our covid safety and everything. We had all these regimens in place, but we also had, you know, the morning surprise of just like, nope,
2: you know, <laughs> where's
1: this person, you know, where's whatever, and then, you know, sometimes for me that meant, you know, oh by the way, this actor is not available these days or something like that. So there was a lot of, I spent a lot more time in my trailer this time than I did just (laughs) like hanging out and having the goofy time with everybody. Um, So, you know, that's why it was definitely a more arduous experience for me or whatever. But I think, you know, also, you know, it, we really, you know, we had the bones of it or whatever, and most of these were just logistical challenges. So it it wasn't like we were so thrown that we just never knew what to do. It was always just like, all right, well, I guess we'll stay up a little later <laughs> and finish this or whatever. It's
0: Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are Rob Thomas and John Enbaum. As we record this, uh, the season hasn't started airing yet, but how do you feel having wrapped season three of Party Down relative to how you felt 12 years ago or 13 years ago having wrapped season two of Party Down?
2: It's it's interesting because you get... um, You sort of get a heads up uh, on how you did before it starts airing because you start doing press. And uh, a lot of the press has seen the show and it's almost the tone of the questions or the enthusiasm with which they're asked or i was
0: uh, relieved that i liked it yeah. i'll just go <laughs> ahead and say it i'll put it out there i was very relieved at how much i liked it it didn't feel awkward it was
2: and and i will tighter, say i would say than it was before all right we i mean we did before we start hearing that reaction there is a nervous uh, at least there is for me um you know I felt like I knew I was enjoying the episodes, but i I needed to hear some of that validation coming back before i f- I could sort of relax and go, okay the bulk the bulk of the people uh that are gonna sort of inform public opinion are behind us it It feels like it's gonna be well received. I can now relax.
0: Is your plan just to every year like Everybody gets on a conference call on New Year's Day,
1: <laughs>
0: outlines their year, What's your and year you're you're f- looking and like, you find yeah. that 14-day <laughs> right. period
1: when... Um, yeah, I guess, yeah. The, the, the well, Rob will make his phone things. call to, right. to Hirsch. That's my, then... my,
2: my job. It's a tough <laughs> one. Hey, Jeff, do you like more Party Down episodes?
0: Well, guys, I think you really, uh, you did justice to the great stuff that you created. And thank you so much for taking that time to
2: be here.
1: Oh, thank you. It's really our
2: pleasure to be here. It really is. Yeah, this has been fun.
0: Rob Thomas and John Enbaum, the latest season of Party Down is airing now on Stars. I loved Party Down before. Somehow, all these years later, it is just as good, if not better. So funny. Go check it out. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. Here at my house in Lincoln Heights, I planted some trees out front uh, and I was pretty sure that they were dead because I must have planted them wrong or whatever. Anyway, all the leaves fell off pretty much right when I put them in the ground. Uh, I was very worried, but it turns out, nope, they're just deciduous trees. Now that it's almost springtime, they are budding full of flowers and new leaves right outside my window. And it turns out, I don't kill everything I touch. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Congratulations to Kevin. He is on parental leave. He has obtained a child. Uh, We're so happy for Kevin and Kelly. Our producers are Jesus Ambrosio and Richard Roby. Our production fellows at Maximum Fun are Tabitha Myers and Brianna Paz. We get booking help from Merritt Davis. Our interstitial music is composed and provided to us by DJW, also known as the great Dan Wally. Our theme song is by The Go Team. It's called Huddle Formation. Our thanks to them and to their label, Memphis Industries. Bullseye is also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us in those places. Follow us. We will share with you all of our interviews. I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by
2: NPR.